Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi, and uh, today I got no one. Dammel, out. Shark, out. However, I do have a wonderful interview with former Indiana Hooper, Maurice Creek. So he was nice enough to join me. Uh, we're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe, of course, on whichever device it is that you use. This episode of Feet is also brought to you by Beach House Soaps. No matter where you live, bring a little bit of the beach to your home with Beach House's all-natural soaps. Be sure to find them at beachhousesoaps.com. Your college hooper of the week is DJ White, former forward for the Indiana Hoosiers. As you can imagine, Cat's already out of the bag. This is going to be a very Hoosier-centric episode so make sure to also check out the website at the barnburner.com that's the dash barnburner.com and make sure to follow us on twitter at cbb theater you should also follow me at subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow taylor at taylor damel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore bb let's open the curtains episode ahead here guys like i said riding solo uh no shark no damel but we did get to interview maurice Kruger. i did i don't know why i'm attributing it, it, it to we i did i was able to interview maurice creek terrific stories that he's about to share so absolutely no point in, in wasting more of your time let's go ahead and get to our interview now with former Indiana Hoosier and George Washington Colonial. Please don't forget that, Maurice Creek. All right, we now welcome to the program former Indiana Hoosier, George Washington Colonial, and third team, all 10, all 810 team member, excuse me, Maurice Creek. Maurice, thank you for jumping on to, uh, to the program today, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Good. So, look, everyone knows that you're from the DMV area. A lot of times people, they think when they think basketball or where a lot of the talent is, New York comes up, Southern California comes up, Florida comes up. But if you look at the players that have come out of the DMV area, you got Carmelo, Durant, your former teammate, Victor Oladipo. Do you think sometimes your area gets overlooked in terms of, you know, the basketball talent that's come out of there? Uh, most definitely. You know, like you said, it's uh, it's a lot of times um, L.A. or New York 
for uh, uh, what else? Uh, you know, it's somewhat of the South, but you know, not too many people recognize uh, the the DMV area until you bring up like Mike Beasley, Taiwan Lawson, Kevin Durant, and you know, and Victor and uh, and those guys. So um, I think now that we are you know, so we're starting to breed more uh, basketball players overseas and NBA players every day now. You know, what I'm saying my my city and uh, state is starting to get recognized. Was there anyone locally that, when you were growing up playing basketball, you wanted to emulate or really inspired you? Uh, I had a couple of people in mind. Um, my favorite player is Tracy McGrady. Uh, so, um. You know, before I had got injured and stuff like that, I was I was uh, athletic a little bit, and uh, I could you know I could always really shoot. So, um, just watching him play a lot, uh, I try to uh, you know say take away from his game as much as possible. So I want to go back and talk about you know your high school career. It's always fascinating when we get players on, former players. We're always curious about their recruiting. Uh, their, their recruiting experience. Can you take us a little bit through when you started getting some letters from different schools, when you get started getting recruiting and who exactly was reaching out to you? Um, I didn't start really getting the letters until um, my ninth grade year when I was at Mount Zion Christian Academy. Uh, the first, when I had got um, there, Miami was the first school that came out and seen me. Um, as a recruit. And um, when I came back uh, to Oxford Hill, my 10th grade year, that's when I started flowing. The, the letters started flowing. The interest from colleges started flowing and everything like that. So um, I think like by my, my sophomore year of uh, high school, I was starting to get the interest of everybody. Was that a surreal experience for you at all? Or were you kind of like, yeah, I belong. I, I should be getting this attention. Um, you know, I'm always humble with what I get. I'm never like a cocky person or nothing like that. So, you know, everybody that was showing the attention and, uh, you know, said I was always grateful for because they didn't have to, you know. And, uh, you know, along with the way, you know, you just kept working and kept getting the letters coming in and stuff like that. And it just shows where I came from and how much hard work that I had to put in. Describe to us your relationship as well with Tom Crean, because you played from I, at IU from 2009 to 2013. He was obviously the guy that won out, won you as a recruit. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with him in the early recruiting stages? Um, in the early recruiting stages, I mean stages, uh, it was really cool. You know, he came out to a couple of my games, and um, him and Coach Seltzer, uh, Coach Seltzer used to come to my house a lot just to you know, make sure I was always straight and everything like that. But uh, it was a really good process. Um, you know what I'm saying? He was recruiting me when he was at Marquette. Of course, he transferred from Marquette to Indiana, and it just, uh, you know what I'm saying, inspired me to go there. And, um, you know, I committed my junior year when I was at South Kent and um, didn't want to waste no time with it. And, you know what I'm saying, we went on from there. So you also you mentioned Marquette. You turned down offers from Maryland, Pitt, and Texas. I think was there anything that separated Cream from those other guys or IU from those other guys? Was it an easy decision for you to go to Indiana? Uh, 
I would think it was it it wasn't not, you know nothing's ever easy, you know it's just uh it's always tough um having to pick a college over another college but um Indiana had the history they had you know some of the championships along the way and uh, I knew I was gonna play there and you know knowing that you're gonna play. Uh, for years to come, that's what you want to do. Going to a college, you want to go somewhere. You know, so some people want to sit behind somebody and, and kind of learn to, and you know, say kind of learn from somebody else that's older than them or have been through the ropes. But in my eyes, I felt like I was ready for the college game, and um, I wanted to go in right away um, and get playing time. It didn't matter uh, what stage we was at because I knew at the them points in time we would always build. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And I mean, Tom Crean has, is now at Georgia and we've seen it. So I want to go a little light here. Do you know why he loves Diet Coke so damn much? That guy's always drinking Diet Coke on the sideline. Was he doing that in practice too? Man, I don't know why he loves Diet Coke. I, I really haven't been seeing that, but you know, as of lately, uh, when I was there, he, um, he had another drink in mind, but I never knew what it was. We never knew what it was. So it was just, you know, he, he finds his drink and he likes it, so he goes with it. So you can't tell the story of Mo Creek and his amazing collegiate career at Indiana without going back to that 31-point performance against Kentucky. I mean, you're going up against guys like John Wall, Bogey Cousins, a slew of other first-round dra- NBA draft picks. Can you take us inside your mindset pregame? I mean, you are a freshman going into a huge rivalry game at home. What were you thinking about pregame? Uh, nothing really. I was just, you know, staying, staying composed with everything. I knew I was going to be on the big stage. Um, you know, saying listening to my music and going about it as, uh, as if it was another game. Um, of course, you're you're hyped because you're you're hearing all these guys that you played against before, all uh, the NBA prospects and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, um, I I carried myself as a I can play against anybody and everybody and, you know, wanted to go out there and show it on the national stage. And I just carried it. Like I, it was just another normal day. Place yourself. If you can place yourself back into the game itself now. So we talked about pregame. Was there a moment where you were saying, look, this is going to be my night at, at the end of the day. Unfortunately you guys did lose, but personally did that ever cross your mind saying, all right, I'm hot tonight. Um, no, nah, not really. I just, you know, I always think about every game like that. You know, it's just I didn't just single out that one game and say, "Oh, th- this is going to be my night." Um, I stayed composed, I stayed uh, um, level-headed. You know, a lot of people just hyped to play against Kentucky, especially you know, I mean, the, the, the majority of my teammates were, and me, I, I was just calm, cool, and collected when when uh, went through my daily routine like I would usually do. And you know, when it was time to play, I just put on the the performance I was going to put on and it just happened to be a tremendous performance at that time. Tell us a little bit about Indiana stadium and that home court advantage, because we actually had a former Michigan state player on and I asked him, I was like, what was the toughest venue you've had to play at? And without hesitation, man, he said Bloomington undoubtedly. Can you tell us a little bit about playing in that stadium erupting for 31 against an arch rival? Uh, it's 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 beautiful, you know. So to play uh, at Indiana because you know everybody's there loving 
basketball. You know, like I said, Indiana's a, a, a basketball state. Um, you know, just looking at the, the colleges that's in Indiana, uh, you got Purdue, you got Notre Dame, Indiana, Indiana State. You got all these, these colleges out here that worship basketball. And, and um, Notre Dame, like, they're kind of in the middle, but they love basketball, too. And so when you got a, 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 um, a state that loves basketball so much, the fans are going to come regardless of what you're doing. You could lose every game in Indiana, but in, in in all honesty, that 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 stand, them stands is gonna pack out. And so, um, my thing is, you know, I I loved it there just because I I knew uh, we were struggling and we still was getting love, and uh, you know that don't happen. There's definitely some certain schools. Um, and players of different schools where you probably don't have as much pressure on you as if you were to play at Indiana, if you were to play at Kentucky, Carolina, Duke. Did you ever sort of, did you ever have to experience, were you ever subject to maybe the more negative side of such a rabid, passionate fan base? And did that ever, you know, was there an, any extra pressure on you where you were saying, damn, this is a lot for a 19-year-old kid? No. Uh, I never put pressure on myself. It didn't matter what the cost was. Um, I always went into a game thinking, you know, I was going to do my best at any means necessary. I've never put this pressure on myself as a freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior. You know what I mean? Just I always played the game as if I, I'm a, I know how to play. And I was a very talented kid. And I'm still very talented at the age I am now. So it's, you know, I've always, like I said, always stayed humble and always stayed composed about what I'm doing. So it didn't matter who I was going up against. I would always play my game and how I've known to play it. So you're on theater in college hoops right now. That's the name of the podcast. And I think probably the coolest moment of the past 10 years, at least top three, is that Christian Watford shot. You were in the building for that, right? Yeah. All right. Can you tell us, first of all, we've never had anyone from either Kentucky or Indiana on the program that was there for that game. Can you take us inside the huddle? Do you remember what, what was drawn up or what Coach Green told you before that uh, before that play ensued? Uh, I don't really know how it was drawn up, but I do know that he wanted Verdell to get a, a running start. Um, so when we were down by two points at the time, so – when Verdell got the running start, uh, Christian was already trailing behind him. And so either Verdell was going to get all the way to the rim, possibly get fouled, possibly take us to overtime, or he had a pitch back to Christian. And, you know, they they executed that very well, you know, because a lot of times when you're playing, everybody's in emotions and stuff like that off the rip. So they, they're not really thinking about what's happening until it happens. So for Verdell to go full speed and draw two towards him and pitch it back to Christian for, you know, that game winning three, um, it was amazing to be a part of. And when you're watching on TV, so I'll give you my vantage point. That's the loudest I've heard a stadium when I was just watching on TV. I can only imagine what the scene was like in person can you describe that i mean i know you spoke generally about the fan base and playing there 
that particular night. Had you ever heard it louder? Oh, uh, no. Um, not at all. It didn't matter who we were playing against. That, that will always be the loudest I've ever heard it. And especially for everybody to then storm the court afterwards, it, it was just amazing. You know, since you're on ESPN, it was a, it was a primetime game. And uh, people had already was putting us on the map as far as growing, but never once did somebody think we were going to win that game. You know, I would say, you know, if, if if the percentages were who would win that game, I think 98, 97% would have had said Kentucky that day. You know what I'm saying? Just off the strength of who they had and what they had and um, their, their rankings and stuff like that. You know, I don't think a lot of people seen us winning that game. But um, when we won that game, it kind of solidified who Indiana was. And then that's when we started getting the respect of yeah, I think that was only one of two losses for the eventual national champion, Kentucky Wildcats. So, I mean, that's definitely something that you can ha- hang your hat on. What was the scene like in the locker room post game? I mean, I know you discussed the fans rushing the court. When you got back to that locker room, can you take our listeners into that area? Uh, I was, I wasn't in there really when, uh, when everything was transpiring. You know, I don't want to be in there. I was hurt at the time, so I didn't want to mess myself up cheering with them. But I could, I could kind of like hear everybody, you know, happy and um, excited about the win because we had just worked so hard and practice and stuff like that. That you know, what I'm saying you could just see those guys was like enjoying it to the best of their ability. And uh, after everything kind of cooled down, I was in, I got in there, you know, heard the. the the message behind everything and you know everybody just you know said took that win and, and ran with it and kind of grew from it and uh like i said i think when we won that game i think a lot of people mature uh you know say not just age-wise that we can just be anybody we be kentucky we could be anybody and that's when we started really winning games Definitely. And I want to get to that maturation process and the transformation that you were so integral uh, with with that IU program. But real quick, if we fast forward a couple of years and we remember that Chris Jenkins Villanova title winning shot. Did that kind of remind you of the play that you guys drew up with Verdell hitting a trailer to Christian Watford for the three? That is exactly what happened. And uh, when I was watching that game with my friends, I kind of told him that was what's going to happen um because it was just the right timing of everything you know it was i knew it was like deja vu the only thing difference was he was on the right side shooting and christian was on the left side shooting so it was that was the only difference it was bought up because like i said like usually when people are playing and they in those type of situations they don't understand or think about stuff until it actually happens so now when you pitch the ball back to somebody, he has a wide open shot. There's a is no no re, it's no way you can contest that shot. And so, um, you know, for Chris Jenkins, that that was probably one of the, the that probably was the best shot of his career too. And for Christian, that probably was the best shot of his career. And it just this shows like when you put in the work, you know, what I'm saying when you got the opportunity to knock off a uh, Kentucky or North Carolina. Um, either for 
their number one ranking or for their national championship, it just it just shows like you know what I'm saying you, like you put in that hard work, you never know when you're gonna put it be put in those situations to do something you need to do. So, Mo, I want to talk about like I had mentioned the transformation that you were there for in Bloomington when you were getting recruited. And when you said you were going to come to Indiana, they weren't very good, point blank, period. And to quote you, let me know if this quote's not not correct, but you said you want to try to get to the national championship to show everybody that Indiana is alive and is always going to be alive for the rest of the time that we live. Describe saying that, and then your first couple of years, you weren't very successful. Uh, I knew we were pretty young going in, but I knew if, if – you- People we stuck together, we would be uh, a contender for a national championship. And of course, it's everybody's goal to win a national championship. I don't see why you would play college basketball other than to win a national championship at any given level. So uh, my thing was, I knew myself. I I didn't know how everybody else thought about it, but I knew myself and what my goals were. And my goal always, whatever I'm doing, is to win a championship, if it's at any level. You know what I mean? So. Um, you know, going in, I didn't really understand the college game and how that how that was going to transpire. You know, what I'm saying I was used to the high school level, so when I said that, I didn't even play the game yet. Uh, I kind of quickly understood like this is a different type of road, and it's going to take the hard, it's going to take hard work to to actually win the national championship. Because you know, when you're in high school, you play a couple of high school years, you kind of learn the game kind of quick and easy. And it don't matter what level of uh, – you could be a freshman. If you understand the game just as much as the seniors, you're going to be successful. And the college game is kind of different because you're playing with grown men now. You know, so you're not playing with kids. So it's like uh, the people who have won it as a freshman, like the Carmelo Anthony's, you know what I'm saying? Like those guys actually kind of uh, had a good group of guys around them to, to actually win that. You know what I'm saying? So, and Carmelo, like I said, in his eyes, he was already a great. You know what I'm saying? It didn't matter where he went, he was going to be a great. So, um, he won that. And he's like one of the very few to win that and be a part of it in, in his type of way. But uh, in my eyes, I felt like I, I had the talent to do that. Just never got the opportunity to. Definitely. And I mean, let's, I want to unpack that transition from high school to college is there one thing that stands out to you the most that maybe some people don't realize when you're making that jump what's like the biggest difference is it the speed the strength is it all of it what did you find the toughest adjustment was uh keeping your job you know um when you're at the high school level and everybody knows who you are uh it's easy to keep a job when you're in college level everybody's competing for your spot Every single day, don't matter where you at and who you are, you got to go out there and compete every day. And, um, you know, that's what I learned the most about the college game. You know, you always going to say speed, strength and all that stuff. But to keep it all in all honesty, you're you're playing, you're like playing for your job every day. And this is it could get mentally straining and it can, it can drain you out if you're not mentally tough. Definitely. So we talked about the first couple of years and how that was an adjustment, but then you guys go on to some successful years. You made the tournament twice, I believe, and you're 
junior and senior season. Keep me honest there. What were those seasons like? And when when did you guys know that, okay, now we have a real team that can be a threat in the tournament? I mean, it could even be that Christian Watford game that you had mentioned where you said, well, you know what? We might have something here. Is that when the foundation was laid or was it a little later on when you started winning? I think the foundation probably was late when Christian hit that shot because I don't, again, I don't even think uh, nobody really had that faith in us to win that game. I mean, especially after we had our, we took the blow from John Wall in the group. We didn't think we was going to have an opportunity with Anthony Davis in the group. Like, as far as the players, of course, the players are going to believe in themselves, but I'm talking about as far as the spectator. You're not picking Indiana over top of Kentucky at that time because they still kind of was figuring we were still rebuilding from, you know, saying what was going on. We didn't – and, you know, they're bringing in national talent. We – you know what I'm saying? We was not known like that. And so for us to win that game, I felt like – that that solidified everything for us. Like we're gonna be a hard team to beat if we just continue to play the, that we just played today. That makes sense. Yeah, and I, I want to go back to the quote that we discussed trying to get them to the national championship. When you look at Indiana right now, and obviously this is going to be Mike Woodson's first year. When you looked at the Archie Archie Miller tenure, when you look at the program moving forward. What do you think the biggest thing is that this program needs to get back to your years, the Oladipo years, the Zeller years? What needs to happen in Bloomington to get back to the level you your fans really deserve and you guys deserve? Uh, just understanding that every possession counts. And a lot of times uh, people don't be understanding that, you know what I'm saying, that rule. They just think like, oh, they got have 40 minutes to play basketball and then the best man wins but every possession counts you know so every turnover you make and they they adjust on that's a possession that can hurt hurt you in the past i mean you know what I'm saying the present and so um even the wins and loss column you got to think about it all i mean like i said a lot of guys are going to college not thinking about that, that, that everything you do in that one game if you lose that game or if you win that game, it could build you up or it could destroy you down every single time. So what I, what I want to see this year is, you know, them taking it one person at a time and playing like it's their last and, you know, and uh, made the best man win. But as long as you know you're giving it your all, uh, every possession, then no matter the result, you know what I mean? It's, it's just you got to just live the results you get. Mike Woodson, a lot has been made about him being a Hoosier himself. Do you place any merit? Do you place any emphasis on having a guy that is a true Indiana man at the helm? Um, I know he, he probably is going to put his kind of, uh, his culture into that group. Uh, him being an Indiana man. Um, I think he'll put somewhat of, that NBA style in probably fast paced style, but understand like he's still dealing with college kids, so he's not dealing with the with the with the guys who he's been dealing with. So he's probably gonna be more understanding, probably gonna uh, have him doing a lot of different things that we haven't seen from the coaches in the past. Um, so like I said, I'm very excited to see where they where they 
stand and how they stand. Um, I've been watching, you know, Indiana for years to come. Even when I was playing overseas and stuff like that, I would always tune into them. So uh, for uh, for me this year, it's kind of exciting because, like I, like I said, I know he, uh, how he was in the NBA field. So I want to know how he will be in the college standpoint now. I'm excited to see Indiana as well. You ever have those moments, Mo, where you look at a player and you're like, damn, damn, this makes me feel old. That's how I look at Trace Jackson Davis. I'm like, I was watching your dad playing basketball growing up. Talk. Have you been most, I mean, I'm most excited about Trace Jackson Davis to see his leap. He was already a hell of a player last year. He's very well could be on that Naismith list. Are you excited to, to, to check out Trace next year as well? Yeah. Um, I've been watching him in the past. Uh, like I've been saying, I've been watching him. So I know, uh, what he's capable of doing, and now that he has uh, that type of coach, is probably going to push him uh, to the new heights. Um, I want to see how he emerges and, and grows. So I can't wait to see. Have you been able to get back to Bloomington at all? Have you been able to you know, see some of your former players taking some games ever since you left? No, I haven't. Um, I've been playing. And then the overseas level, so for, for quite a bit. And, you know, the, the schedules kind of uh, conflict. But uh, I will be getting back there at some point in time um, just because, like, I, I do miss Bloomington. I miss, uh, miss all the all the good times that we had uh, at Bloomington. So I um, don't know when that will be at, but I will be making a trip. So – have you, were you able to see during your time, were you able to see any Indiana legends or meet them? Because like we said, we've had some former players from some great programs. Indiana, I mean, that's college basketball royalty. You think about guys like maybe Bobby Knight, Isaiah Thomas, legends of the game. Were you able to meet any any Hoosiers while you were there? Uh, uh, I think I've met a few uh, in my past in my past years. And um you know, it's always good to meet somebody that, you know, is a great. I had a great as a coach, Calder Chang. So, uh, you know, it's always good to have somebody who's played at the NBA level and could, was coaching me at the time. So, uh, that's just one one of the names that I've, you know what I'm saying, seen. Uh, Eric Gordon, I was hurt. Uh, Eric Gordon came down and, and played pickup with the guys, and he's always going to be an Indiana great. So, um, you know, just to have those type of guys around uh, means a lot to this program. We talked about the home venue and the home home court advantage that you guys clearly have. What are some of the away venues that you played at that really stick out? Like, damn, this is a tough atmosphere to get a win. Uh, Ohio State. (laughs) Ohio State is uh, one of those venues where it's annoying. And, uh, it's so big, so large, and you got them people just. And I, I never played at Ohio State. That was the crazy thing. I've never got a chance, I, I, opportunity to play at Ohio State just because uh, I was always hurt. But just to be on the bench and having people behind you the whole time, just heckling you the whole time, is crazy. And so uh, I would have to say Ohio State first and Purdue second. How much of that do you think is attributed to the rivalry game? Probably all of it, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, when you're playing that type of rivalry game, it, it, it's, it's a bloodbath. So um, those those fans know what's at stake 
and we know what's at stake. So everybody coming in, doing their worst. <laughs> well, so and you mentioned earlier about all the great basketball schools in Indiana, and I think I know the answer to this. But is Purdue the clear cut number one rival for the Hoosiers, or does it sort of does it does it change based on like Butler's success or Notre Dame's success, anything like that? No, I think I think Purdue will always be that clear cut rivalry for for uh for Indiana. I know I know Butler is is getting up to that stage, but you gotta think about the years in the past. It it wasn't Butler. It was always Indiana Purdue, Indiana Purdue. And you know what I'm saying? You doing recruiting in Indiana, it's like them guys either saying Indiana or Purdue. So you know what I mean? Like I will always think Indiana's rivalry team, it will be Purdue. So those are two Big Ten schools, obviously, with uh, Purdue and, and Ohio State that you mentioned. Do you remember any out-of-conference venues, maybe, like, uh, anything that, that comes to mind? Mm, not not really. Um, reason being is because, I, like I said, I was always hurt. So I never really got the opportunity to really go out and uh, and then – being an adventurous too towards out of state games, but um, I mean, if you want to call it a neutral zone, the neutral zone game was kind of crazy for me to even watch. You know, we were playing Purdue and uh, Butler and in, uh, in the um, you know, Indiana Pacers, you know, and that that was kind of crazy because you because now you you know it's a neutral zone and it's packed out and it's always loud and everything like that, so it was kind of crazy. That's incredible, yeah. So we talked about some of the toughest venues that you've had to play at. It's always interesting to hear about some of the venues where you're like, God, this is boring. How am I going to get juiced up for this game? Half the stadium is empty. It's a Tuesday night. What are some stadiums that you remember kind of getting it, having it be difficult to get up for a game? No, not really. Um, I really think like every time we, we, we showed up, people were showing out. And it was uh, it was crazy to see because you know just you you really go in there thinking like oh, oh this is gonna be a weak game and, and people show up because they know Indiana's showing up. So you mentioned some of your injuries as well, and every Hoosier that I know has said Maurice Creek legendary. It sucks about the injuries. If you could have told. 19-year-old, 20-year-old Maurice Creek in college, any advice that you could give him now, what would some of that be? Um, wow. Uh, play the game with no regrets, honestly. Um, you know, a lot of times, you can't, you can't help what happens in the game. You know what I'm saying? Injuries, you miss a shot. You can't, you can't, you can't help it. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to get injured. Nobody wants to miss a shot. But uh, as long as you go out there with no regrets on what you did or how you did it, then, and, you know what I'm saying, you can live the fight another day. Now, if you got regrets, and you, you're thinking about that along the way, that can always hamper you down as far as a player. So when I got hurt, I, I ain't had no regrets. I was hurt because I knew how good I was playing the, the game, you know, averaging almost 18 points a game as a freshman and being a leading score as a freshman uh, means a lot to me. 
because I knew <clears throat> the freshman that was behind me that I was getting overlooked. You know what I'm saying? I was I wasn't getting looked at as and uh so um I had no regrets at the which I just, you know what I'm saying, bust my tail and got back to it. I'll tell you what, man, real 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 fans of college basketball know how great great you were in college for sure. You mentioned that you got overlooked. Do you think that's media bias? I mean, what what attributed to, to people overlooking you? Do you think? Uh, you know, you got you got people who like the John Walls, the Demarcus Cousins, the, um, and they all your class. You know, it's, it's, it just happens like that. You know what I mean? They 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 thought they had something that I didn't, and um, I always had heart, so I, I didn't care who I was playing against. I always knew I could play for the game. They would have to guard me just like I guard them. Um, but they were always top five people. You're talking about John Wall, you know, one of my class. It's DeMarcus Cousins, like number four in my class. So um, for those guys to be to be up to, up to that stature, uh, you know, some people could be thinking about that in that sense. I never thought about it. I just played the game how I played and if you like me, you like me. You don't, but you don't. So after your four years are up at Indiana, you have a year left of eligibility, I believe, and you go to George Washington. First of all, first of all, how many times do people get it mixed mixed up with George Mason? Have you has that ever happened to you? No, it hasn't. It hasn't. Uh, fortunately, it has not. Uh, I, I feel like they understand the blue from the green. <laughs> so what made you then go back to GW? Um, I think it was I shouldn't first. say sorry, I, I shouldn't say go back to GW to go to GW, I should say. Uh, I think it was the perfect situation for me. Honestly. Um you know, at that time I felt like it was I was done with Indiana. Uh you know what I'm saying? It, it was time to get out, transfer and do what I need to do for my senior season because I knew my, my professional career on the backside was depending on it. So when I uh, was getting recruited by George Washington, um, you know, they said everything that I wanted to hear, I, I could feel that it was true. Just off the, the talent that we had, but they were young. Um, wasn't as young as when I first came in the Indiana. We had six freshmen, but they were young in the sense where they had some things they needed to grow on. They needed a leader uh, to help them out with that. They understood the game and had been there and done that type of sense. And um, when I was talking to Coach Lonergan uh, uh, about everything and what he needed from why he was recruiting me and what he needed from me, he said he needed to actually score. Uh, he needed to shoot and he needed to score. And he had everything but that, so to be the missing piece of the puzzle for this team um, meant everything to me. You clearly were because you went to the NCAA tournament there with them. You led them to that NCAA tournament berth, and we'll get to it. And we've discussed, we broke down the Christian Wofford game winner. I want to talk about your game winner against Maryland. First of all, against a team like Maryland, was there any sort of added motivation or added satisfaction hitting that against well, you could argue Georgetown's the premier DMV college basketball team, but Maryland's right there too. 
Was there any sort of added oomph to that? Yeah. Um, Maryland was my favorite school growing up as a kid. And uh, I was just explaining this to um, the other guy I did a podcast with. Uh, I already had animosity with Maryland just off the strength that uh, they gave my scholarship away that I was supposed to, that I was supposed to have and I was going to commit to Maryland. But I didn't want to commit as early. So, you know, so I wanted to give everybody a shot. They didn't know that. I knew that as a kid. I, I knew I wanted to do it in Maryland. But what ended up happening was they gave my scholarship the way to a guy his name was Sean Mosley. He was 2008. I was 2009. And um, so when we were playing Maryland my freshman year, we had lost to Maryland when I was at Indiana. Uh, I was hurt bad because I knew, uh, even though I had a great game against them, I knew I still lost to them. So I was told myself if I ever got the opportunity to play them again, like they would not win that game. Um, so I mean, when I found out Berlin was on the schedule, I was very excited. I definitely circled that game on the on the calendar, um, just off the strength that I was thinking about all the emotions that was just rambling in my mind when I had seen it. And the coach had already told me he was always going to try to put it on there. So when it happened, I was very excited for it. And um. The recruiting process when I even was in the transfer pool was kind of skeptical on the Maryland side. This is what people don't know. I was even uh, trying to even attempt to go there the following that year and, and trying to end my career out at Maryland. Um, they didn't even give me a shot to even go out there and try to get there. So uh, it was just destined for, for me to have the ball in my hands them last seconds. And I had already been practicing practicing that shot all throughout the night on um, timeless times and it just happened to happen right there so uh i'm glad it actually happened because i mean i had one of my um one of my guys on the team his name was roddy roddy peter he was like the young boy to me so he has always he was he grew up with me so he grew up with me in the gym so me playing against him was was great for one, but for two to beat them and make them think like, damn, we should have gave him a chance. It, it was a great thing to, uh, for me to, you know, saying to have under my belt. Personal vindication stories are always some of my favorite, man. I got to tell you. So, any athlete, anyone who's played a sport knows that when there is that revenge factor, it can be easy for get for someone to get a little too juiced up, and they don't perform well. Right? They get a little too hyped up prior to the game. Did that ever occur with you in this game, or did did you have to say to yourself, "All right, calm down. I got to play within the offense. Just play like it's a normal game," or, or or was that not? You know, were the jitters, nerves, not existent? Nah, I was already fired up from Jump Street just because I was playing Maryland and I knew what it was with them. I knew how they kind of. It was kind of like a disrespectful factor twice. Um, you know, since so I. Already knew my goal, and when I get when I got a goal in mind, I'm gonna absolutely do everything in my power to do it. And um, I felt like the disrespectful factor for them was that oh, he had three injuries. We don't know how like, we had put him in the, the mix with these guys and, and stuff like that, and never gave me a shot. So you you know what I'm saying? When you do that to somebody who knows how to play the game and has this motivational factor. Now everything's clicking for me now. You know what I'm saying? It's certain 
different things that you can do to me that'll make me click. And now I'm playing my best game at the best period of time. And uh, that just happened to be one of the things. Like, I felt the disrespectful factor coming into the game. So I was already motivated to do whatever I had to do. Take us inside the huddle before that step back game winner. Was it give the ball to Mo and get the hell out of the way? Wow, Creep all the way into the backcourt. Looks like they're just going to let Creep try to win it. Yep, going one-on-one. Nope, the shot. Yes! And he's got it! Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. He's got a shot. That counts if it goes in. Creep with under a second to go. Wow. And GW holds on by two, 77 to 75. What a game. What a comeback by Maryland. And look at the excitement from the Colonials and their fans. No, nah, actually, the play was uh, was going to go to Joe, and I had to go to coach and be like, you know, hey, coach, like, uh, if you give me the ball right here, we ain't going to overtime. Um, just go ahead. Just let me get this ball. Everybody just clear it. Do what they need to do. You can have the motion on the other side. It don't matter. I know how much time I'm going to shoot this ball. We'll go ahead and go for off his rebounds in case I miss. But – you know, honestly, I already knew the ball was going in. And before the play even transpired, I already knew the ball was going in the basket. It just was a matter of, like, get that shot off or was I not? I mean, I knew the, the move was going to be what the move was going to be, but was I going to get the proper spacing and all that to get it off? Or was I going to have to take it into overtime and win the game? But I didn't want to go into that. I didn't, you know what I'm saying? And, again, I felt – to disrespect the whole game, you know what I mean? So I'm already thinking about everything in my mind. Everything was going in my head at that time, like how I was disrespected from the scholarship, how I was disrespected from the fact of the matter I lost that game as a freshman at Indiana, how I was disrespected again as far as me not feeling like they didn't really care about me because I had some injuries in the past. Everything thing was just boiling up in my mind and in my brain to make that shit just happened to go in at that time that's incredible inside the mind man that's that's pretty remarkable story right there i mean you had mentioned that obviously you practice these shots in practice but in that particular game was that step back from the elbow was that going down all, all night uh i never had to use it you know um that was actually my first time actually having to use that step back shot throughout that whole season and really throughout my whole career, honestly, because I'm usually getting to the realm of shooting a three. I got mid-range pull-up here and there, flow game off the glass off here and there. So I, I got tools in the basket, but I've never had to use that step back. So people haven't seen me use it. So that was just kind of like the perfect time to use it. So – like we had mentioned, you lead GW to the tournament and you play a tough game against Memphis in the tournament. I think you only lost by five. What was that experience like for you? And we talk about the the transition from high school to college. There's always a transition from like college basketball regular season to the postseason, right? What was that transition like? Uh it was it was crazy. Um you know, it was my first time I really actually felt like I got to the NCAA championship, I mean, tournament on my own. Like, you know what I'm saying? Not saying I didn't have no teammates, but, like, 
it was basically like I was a part of it. I was never a part of Indiana's trans transition to the tournament. Never. I they can say I was because I practiced and stuff like that. I never felt it. Um I the only time I got in the game in the NCAA tournament was a 30 seconds and I really felt like I got in just off the strength of that we played in my home city. And that was in Syracuse. And the crazy thing about it was I was so amped for that game because I knew Syracuse was playing zone. And I was shooting the ball very well in practices and stuff like that. So I was just so hyped for the game just not to get in. So I never felt like I was a part of that group of guys who made it to the tournament, who had that success in tournaments. Didn't matter what I was doing, just never felt that. So from this group of guys from GW who were not known, wasn't known for basketball, they didn't, nobody cared about about George Washington when it came to basketball, for us to get into the NCAA tournament and for Indiana not to get into the NCAA tournament that year, it kind of was crazy to me um, that I got the, you know what I'm saying, the, the feel for it, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I just felt like I was more so happy from the fact that I did that with a, a group of guys who really cared about me and I cared about them. That makes total sense. And as the, the leader of that GW team, in the tournament, are the lights a little brighter? Is the practice a little bit more intense leading up to those games? Is the uh, you know is is there just a little bit more to it that you could visibly notice? Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I knew I was going to play that game. Like I didn't know if I was going to play for Indiana or, or not. It didn't matter how hard I tried; I never knew. So, um, for me, knowing that I, I was uh, the leader for these guys, and um. I had another guy, I mean, you know what I'm saying? My, my man, Isaiah Arnwood, we were both the leaders for this team, so they knew, everybody kind of knew, like, they were on our backs, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, for it to feel like that, like, you are a part of it, and you, you felt like you were, um, you know what I'm saying, that guy for this team, it, it was it was a great, different feeling. It was very different. I'll get you out of here on these last couple questions. First of all, who's the toughest player that you've had to stick, either in practice or in a game? I think it would have to be John Wall. Um, John is a very explosive, very fast, with a quick twitch individual. Uh, I had to play him in the AU in the AU circuit. This is when he was destined number one in the country. Uh, the fastest player by far I've ever played against in my life and probably damn near the most athletic player that I've played against in my life. So um yeah he NBA All-Star uh it just showed like the the talent that he had. But I definitely have to say that was probably the hardest stick for me. Yeah I I don't blame you. I mean I was telling you about how I was watching that Watford shot on TV and it was so loud through the TV. You can only imagine what it's like in the arena. You look at John Wall play basketball on TV, you're like, God damn, he's fast. It's like, yeah. I can only imagine what it's like on the court. For sure. It's hard, it's hard to check because you, you know, you got to have that, that, he has that quick burst of speed. It's, it's really crazy. So you've mentioned that you played in Europe. What's the one thing that people you may not – you you know that they don't account for when you go over to Europe? What, what were some of the things that maybe surprised you or you would tell someone who's about to – an American who's about to go play in Europe? 
uh, be ready to deal with their culture. You know what I'm saying? And because their culture of basketball and our culture of basketball are two different things. And, um, you know, you got to understand that everything matters, like point production, stat line, uh, the percentages of it all. Like, nobody's really thinking about that when you're playing in the college level or in the professional level here. You probably, well, probably professional level here, but when you overseas, you know what I mean, you can get cut from a team in no time just off of not producing. So you could actually think about people who got families and all that type of stuff. They got to go by the production of that team where they're going to be home with their families, not making no money. So this is a real live business now. You can to the NBA overseas level, you got to really be on your grind. Makes sense. I'll get you out of here on this, Mo. Netherlands, Denmark, Ukraine, you played in Israel too. You have a favorite country that you've been in? I mean, and it can be completely unrelated to basketball. What's your What's the favorite European country that you've been in or uh, Israel as well? Uh, I would either have to say um, Bucharest, Romania, or Kiev, Ukraine. Um, I would, I can't, I can't pick it, uh, but I've always I've always been a fan of uh, key Ukrainians off the strength. It always made me feel like home, and um, it, it felt like I was in like DC when I was in the city. I always found my my favorite spots. I always found good food. I always found everything that I needed to find. Uh, and Bucharest was, was the same thing. It just but we had the coach situation power, so we really couldn't go out and do what you need to do to get accustomed to it. COVID restrictions started to get accustomed to it. I started to feel the same that I was in Kiev. Got it. No, that makes sense. Well, hey, Mo, we really appreciate you jumping on, man. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, and we'll get you back on here during the season, hopefully, see your Hoosiers go- down the road, all right? All right, we want to thank Mo again for jumping onto the program. Some terrific stories. I, I particularly liked, loved, I should say, how he took us into the mindset of someone who's trying to exact revenge. I mean, if we're being totally honest, uh, someone who's trying to to get back at a school like Maryland who bypassed him not once, but twice. And I think it should go to show you that whenever a athlete is asked about potential revenge games and they try and be all stoic and BS you by saying, no, it's not extra or added bulletin board material. Uh, I think that's exactly what it is. I mentioned it BS. So we want to thank Mo once again for jumping onto the program, two straight weeks of big 10 players. We might be able to keep that streak going, who knows, but we want to thank you again for listening. Uh, We will catch you next time here on theater and college hoops.